Welcome to the Build with Brabeck podcast, where we dig deep into real, raw, and honest conversations with people that are making moves, making change, and making their own version of their very best life. And teaching you how to build the same. Covering all things health, wellness, anti-diet culture, body positivity, and so much more, here's your host, Amanda Brabeck. Hello, welcome back to the Build with Brebeck podcast. It's Amanda. Happy Thursday. Pumped about this episode. Pumped. We've got hormone health. We've got gut health. We've got PCOS. We've got birth control talk. So much good stuff. Um, but first, as always, we got to start with the highs and the lows. So I'm going to start with the low first. Get that just out of the way. Um, in general, Spirits have been high. Um, definitely have been working through some anxiety stuff um, with my good old therapist. Um, but it's been good the last couple weeks. So we are going to ride that high. Um, but while, you know, she's helping me to find ways of managing it, keeping it more at bay, all the things – Obviously, just like random, it, it will still creep in, okay? And I just want to share this because I think it is like a pretty universal feeling whether you struggle with anxiety or not. Um, just that feeling of time passing so quickly, not having enough time in the day, in the weeks to get everything done that you want to, which also then results in like your home being in shambles and you're not like cooking enough meals at home and, you know, all of that. So if you're feeling any of those things, if you're experiencing any of that, just know you're not alone. I definitely have been feeling that. And I think that's where a lot of my anxiety stems from is the fact that like I wanted to go out on my own instead of staying with a more stable um, like corporate role. So it's like, this is what I asked for. But at the same time, I put this pressure on myself of like, oh my God, I did this. I need to prove myself. Everything needs to happen right now. I'm not doing enough. If I sleep past a certain hour, oh my God, I'm so lazy. I'll never have enough time. Like going down these spirals. Um, and I think, you know, like there's a – a healthy level of motivation that we need to hold, especially if you're, you know, off on your own, you're an entrepreneur, you're a business owner, whatever you're doing, um, to like keep you on track and keep you going. But there, it also gets to a point where it's counterproductive um, and it kind of just like freezes you. So just been trying to like manage that, keeping that at bay as much as possible, organize my days and all of that. If you would want me to do a whole episode on that kind of stuff and like maybe in like weeks, months as I work through it more and like figure out what exactly works best for me, let me know. Happy, always happy to be an open book. Um, and then my high, uh, actually no, we're going to go back a little bit. So in terms of like house being in shambles, I wish that this was visual, not just audio because Oh my God, like I'm looking across the room. I have like all these boxes that I need to break down. I have 
deliveries I need to or like orders I need to return. Mark has a bunch of car parts in uh, one side of the living room. There's dog toys everywhere. I can see the layer of dust on our TV stand from across the room. I just organized. Oh my gosh, I can't stop hiccuping. I just organized my room um, finally after like staring at piles of stuff for so long. I know there are dishes in the sink right now, but you know what? It comes in waves. We are not that girl, if you know that TikTok, that girl trend. And one, it's okay to give yourself permission for your house to look like it's lived in. This level right now is a little past my threshold, but um, yeah, like give yourself a little bit of a break. We're all doing so much, especially if you have kids and stuff like goddamn more power to you. Okay. Anyways, on to the high. So this week I recorded on someone else's podcast, which is always a pleasure, always super fun. Um a little nerve wracking, which feels good, like a good nervous that kind of brings you back those butterflies and um, gets you excited. So um, I went on the Eat the Damn Cake podcast. If you haven't listened to them, I highly recommend. They are also two local um, personal trainers, fitness instructors. They own their own personal training business and like group fitness business um, as well as the podcast. And it was just so much fun. They are gems of humans. So we just had like a great time chatting it up. Uh, but it also was super fun because they their podcast is under the Big Night Media Group. So I actually got to like go into their studio and do the whole like real thing. Not that this isn't real. It's just like very self-made. Um, like right now I'm sitting on my couch. My microphone is just plugged into my laptop. It's like we are just doing it on our own. Um, so that was just like a fun, different experience. Also nerve-wracking with like the lights on you and everything, but so much fun. We talk a lot about, um, you know, actually a lot of kind of like my background that I haven't talked a ton about on here, which maybe I need to do a more like get to know me episode, but that just feels like so self-centered and like who cares? Um but if you want that, let me know. Um, and we talk a lot about being fitness professionals and our own journeys with our body image and fitness and nutrition. And um, of course, we talk about the body image program and diet culture and all of that. But I feel like it was just such a fun combo. I re-listened to it um, yesterday when it came out. So I'll add a little link in the bio um, or in the description, sorry, of this episode. So you can click out to it after you're done. Let's finish this episode first and then give that one a listen too. Okay. And if you have any um, podcasts that you listen to that maybe you would like to see one of their hosts on this podcast or you feel like I would be a good fit for theirs, shoot me a message. Interactive, baby. Interactive. That's what we are here. Um, Okay. I'm going to keep it short and sweet because the interview is like an hour long. So I just want to give you that, get to the meat and potatoes of the episode. And I want you all to have an absolutely lovely week. I'm going to keep on plugging it until we begin in May. But if you would like to shift your perspective um, going into summer 2022, if you're someone that 
maybe has always felt that pressure to like get the summer body and do all of that or if you're feeling triggered by all of that language that's kind of being tossed around right now um, and you want to go into this summer finally feeling a little more free, feeling a little more confident, really supporting your body um, and just being able to frolic around without loathing yourself um, and like picking yourself apart, I highly recommend um, filling out the inquiry form in the description of the episode and we can see if the May round of the Build Your Best Body Image program would be right for you. We go through a whole unlearning process of kind of stripping back the layers of diet culture that we all have ingrained in our brains of how we should think, feel, treat our bodies, all that. Um, We also um, unlearn a lot of diet and health like myths. We go through how to eat more intuitively in a way that supports your health, but also is maintainable through life. Um, So you're supporting your health and nutrition, but keeping your satisfaction in mind um, and not just obsessing over food all of the time. We go through finding movement and exercise that supports your body and feels good and you look forward to so you can create a more consistent routine. And then, of course, we go through so many different activities, self-guided videos, meditations, journal activities, all of that to help you find first body neutrality and respect so you can support it. And then, of course, working our way to acceptance, appreciation, positivity, all of that. Okay, so if that sounds good to you, fill out that form. If you know someone, send them my way. Have a fantastic week. I love you all so, so much. Bye. Today on the podcast, we are talking all things hormone health. This week's guest is a functional medicine dietitian who focuses on guiding women to heal their hormones and manage PCOS holistically with food freedom. You know, we love an anti-diet culture queen. We got her, we, me and her, got our bachelor's of science. (laughs) She got her bachelor's of science from the University of Massachusetts and then completed her dietetic internship right here in Boston at Mass General. I am so excited to pick her brain and get us all feeling a little more balanced. Welcome to the podcast, Shayla of Shayla Rose Nutrition. Thank you so much. That was like a wonderful intro. I'm so excited (laughs) to be here. Thank you. Well, I'm so excited to have you. I think that this is all stuff that we all experience and we typically suffer alone and don't even know what we're dealing with. And if we do, we're just told to get on birth control or take a pill. Um, So I'm excited to dig into it all. Totally. Uh, I feel triggered already. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, why don't we start off with kind of your background? Why nutrition, your own struggles with hormone health? Like what led you to this specific? specific like line of nutrition work. Totally. All right. Where to begin? So I, let's see. So I went to UMass Amherst, as you said, I majored in nutrition there. And then when I was a nutrition student, I actually taught spin and I thought that I was the healthiest person ever. Mm, I was- This is ringing true. (laughs) Totally. Yep. So 
I was a vegetarian and I was like one of those vegetarians that was like, I will die on this hill. I will never eat meat again. I will never touch it again. I was very proud of it. It was like a big part of my life. So I was eating, I shouldn't say plant-based because I still eat plant-based with meat. I was eating no meat. I was burning myself out, teaching double sometimes, like just way too much cardio for my body. They started having like these crazy digestive symptoms. I was like, all right, like what's going on here? This is weird. It's annoying. Also, I I eat so much fiber because I eat so many plants. Like how could I have stomach issues, right? Because right. at the time I was just learning, oh, people have stomach issues. You know, you probably just need to eat more fiber. Yeah. Um, I went to like a few different GIs, got lots of tests done. And everyone was like, yeah, like your tests look fine. But here's some antibiotics. If you really feel like you need something, I was like, yeah, that's not really... Not really cutting it for the type of support that I'm looking for here. Yeah. And, and like long term. Yes. What? Yes. <laughs> like, and by the time I actually turned to functional medicine, it had been going on for like two years, probably, mm-hmm. which is a long time to be uncomfortable with your stomach. Yeah. Um, and so I was already a dietitian at the time when I kind of like found the world of functional medicine. And I always say, you know, I got into it from the the client side rather than the practitioner side. And I decided in this kind of embarking on this gut healing journey that I would go off of my hormonal birth control because from the research that I had done, you know, I had found that it could be contributing to any type of exacerbation for stomach issues among with lots of other issues. Yep. And everything just got worse. I went off of my hormonal birth control and I didn't get a period back for like six months. Mm-hmm. I had clear skin my whole life. Like even in high school before I went on birth control and all of a sudden I had acne and I started like, I was just so tired all the time. I'd sleep for 10 hours. And I'd wake up and I felt like I got hit by a bus, mm-hmm. just very symptomatic. And I went to my doctor and I was like, all right, there, I think I have PCOS. Like there's something going on here. And, you know, I kind of had to push them to do the lab, but they ran all the tests and they're like, yep, it looks like you do. You know what? We can fix this. We'll put you back on birth control. And, you know, for your skin, we'll put you on spironolactone. Mind mm-hmm. you, I might be a little bit dramatic about how, how bad my skin was. And I shouldn't use the word bad because no skin is bad, but yeah. how, how flared up my skin was. Yeah. It really, it really wasn't. I had like three zits probably. So yeah. The suggestion to put me on spironolactone when I had three pimples. Yeah, that feels extreme. Seems a little extreme. So I was like, you know what? I think, I think I'm gonna pass. And that's when I kind of like really jumped in with two feet into like diving into the research. And then I ended up just feeling like such a different person and also very frustrated with like, okay, why are we not all doing this? This worked so well for me. Why is this not mainstream? Why is this not just the narrative that everyone is doing? Why are people not talking about this more? So that was when I kind of pivoted my own practice to focus on functional medicine. But I was also before all of this, my focus was not eating disorders, but, but food freedom, right? Like yeah. just helping to heal relationship with food, that type of thing. And something that I had a hard time with, with the functional medicine world was that it can be a little bit rigid in -hmm. terms of, you know, everyone needs to be gluten-free or, you know, you need to eat all organic or just kind of like a whole new set of food rules. Right. Which is like also gatekeeping that version of nutrition too, because that's so many people can't afford that or don't have access to that, those types of foods too. 
Exactly. Right. So I decided I was going to kind of try and merge the worlds. So now how I practice, I practice from like a functional medicine lens, but we also focus on improving your relationship with food and allowing you to still eat all your favorite things while you're on this healing journey and just finding mm -hmm. a way to like still live your life and not feel restricted. Like my motto is always abundance over restriction for everything. You know, what can we yes. add to your plate, add to your day that's going to make it better for you, make you happier as opposed to what should we be taking away? What shouldn't you be eating? Yeah. Like in a nutshell, that's kind of how we got here. I love it. I mean, yeah. I am a big intuitive eating proposed like enthusiast. Mm -hmm. I also teach it in my like body image course. I feel like it's so important. And so many people I feel like are like, it's just eating regular. And I'm like, well, that's very lucky that you have never felt so restricted and like just messed up for lack of a better term in your relationship with food. But for people that have struggled their whole lives or for years, you know, it's groundbreaking. <laughs> Completely. I'm honestly surprised to hear that people even say that to you, right? Because I have yet to have a client who has had a perfectly healthy relationship with food their whole lives, right? I just think that like, oh, yeah. in America, finding a woman who's never struggled with her relationship with food. It's super in the rock. <laughs> super rare. Yeah. It's yeah. actually funny. Um, my sister was the one that said that. And it's also really funny because I had really bad like body dysmorphia, uh, like disordered patterns with food and exercise and like all the stuff that you were saying. I think back to like my pre-pandemic self and that was definitely a silver lining for me and all of this was like being forced to slow down made me realize how unhealthy I really was. Like totally just going nonstop teaching. I teach five spin classes a week right now. And the amount of time I spend off the bike is like way more than before. Mm -hmm. And like on top of that, I was like, well, I'm a fitness instructor. I have to prove that I have the stamina. So I'm going to do the whole class and then I'm going to go do a workout after. Like I remember I used to teach a double on Wednesday mornings and then I would teach like a strength or boxing class at the other gym that I taught at but I would get there early to take one of their kind of like a Barry's style class. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think about that. And now I'm like, on the days I teach a double, I stretch. And then the next day I do some like very light restorative Pilates. <laughs> like totally. how times have changed. Mm -hmm. I eat animal meat again. Like it is, yeah, wild. Totally. Yeah. And I think that that's something that like is so not talked about, but like everybody struggles with, especially in the fitness industry. Yeah. It's, it's cool to watch it kind of evolve because I feel like people it are definitely is. like, yeah. wait, this isn't good. And let's all heal ourselves together. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. It's definitely a mix. I feel like in my bubble that I have created both like in real life and on social media, I see all of that positive change. And then anytime I kind of like peek outside of it, you still see all of the super backwards thinking the earn your weekend, like uh, yes. all oh, high yeah. intensity workouts and that's it. And it, you're like, oh, you like end up on the wrong side of TikTok and you're like, yeah, oh, I really thought we we're all doing better than this. All right. You're like, get yeah. me off of here. Get me back to where I was. 
Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. Well, the main event of the, the episode, I feel like we need to dig into PCOS selfishly. I'm really excited for this whole conversation and all the questions that I have for you because I sort of feel like I have PCOS. I've like self-diagnosed it for the last like year and have done nothing about it. And, <laughs> um, but it's also one of those things, like I was saying before, I feel like a lot of women have a lot of these symptoms and don't know what to attribute it to or to even realize that like, okay, something's actually off. It's not normal to feel so tired all the time and all of that. So I'd love for you to kind of maybe start out with what exactly is PCOS? How does one sort of develop this and some of the symptoms? Totally. Great place to start. So yeah, I always forget so many people don't even know what PCOS is. And like, so I get ahead of myself. So thank you for yeah, starting there. Of course. So PCOS, it stands for polycystic ovarian syndrome. So it's the number one cause of infertility in the US. One in 10 women have it, according to like the statistics. I personally think it's a little bit more because probably, it's probably undiagnosed. <laughs> exactly. And getting a diagnosis is it can be tricky. So with that, you have to have two out of three diagnostic criteria. So those are missing or irregular cycles. So that is defined as cycles longer than 35 days or less than 10 per year mm -hmm. or elevated androgens. Those are male sex hormones. Women have them as well. And, you know, I'm just speaking in kind of the traditional male, female. Yeah. But those are, you know, like testosterone is the most common one that you probably think of when mm -hmm. you're here about, when you think about like male sex hormones, elevated androgens, but DHEA is another one, DHEAS. So just higher than normal, that is one. And then also polycystic ovaries. But the tricky thing about this is that you can have polycystic ovaries without having PCOS and not everyone with PCOS has polycystic ovaries. And what are polycystic ovaries? <laughs> Pretty much they're just like these overgrown <laughs> follicles okay. that kind of become dominant in the hangout. So on an ultrasound, it looks like a little like string of pearls. So that would be kind of where the inf infertility comes from is like not so having kind of the right environment. All, all of the symptoms contribute to infertility really with PCOS. Like especially with the cycles too. Yeah. Right. The infertility component is when women are not ovulating. Right. So yeah. and that's the thing about cycles in general. I think your period gets all the clout right? Because that is the one that we physically see. It's the one that will typically give you the most symptoms, but ovulation is the star of the show, right? Because if you don't ovulate, you, a lot of times you're not even having a period. It is possible to have an anovulatory bleed, which yeah. is a, a period without having ovulated. But if you're not ovulating, we're not dropping an egg to be fertilized, right? So then there's no baby. Yeah. So kind of battling that infertility component with PCOS is really to focus on ovulation and kind of addressing all of these different pillars, which I can get to in a minute, are all going to work together. So you might hear like PCOS types Yeah. when I really think that it, it, that's just putting it a little bit too simply. Like some people will say, you know, you can have insulin resistant PCOS. You mm. can have um, androgen PCOS. You can have lean PCOS. And it's just, those things all play into each other. So it's, it's just a little bit too easy to put it in boxes like that. Totally. But all of those together will contribute to the infertility as well. 
And then in terms of like, I think I might have PCOS, but I don't know, right? So the classic kind of signs and symptoms, obviously irregular or missing cycles, that's a huge one. Mm -hmm. Um, Difficulty getting pregnant or struggling with infertility, excessive hair growth, right? So this is where the elevated androgens are going to come in. So, Mm. you know, any like facial hair, I mean, everyone has peach fuzz, but like some women, it's everything, there's a spectrum. So some women with PCOS just have like a little bit more peach fuzz. Some might not struggle with it at all. Some people like will dermaplane their face every day or have hair, you know, like below their belly button on their Mm. lower back, like places where men have more hair. Right. 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 And then also the other end of that is like thinning or hair loss on your head. So this is something that I struggled with my entire life. And I really think I have. (laughs) (laughs) Like I remember I was in college and one of my friends like saw the hair that came off of my head when I took a shower and they were just like whoa like does that yes. have to be okay this was like I have very thick hair I have a lot of hair has always been a thing but I feel like in the last like year and I only wash my hair like two maybe three times a week if I'm feeling yeah. crazy same so like for a little bit I was like maybe it's because of that whole like schedule I don't know but like when I wash my hair it is a small animal that is coming off my head it's frightening yes. like yeah. the times that I forget to pick it up out of the drain and then I realize I forget and I'm like my boyfriend is gonna see that and be like what the hell is happening in here yeah I mean your hair like we lose hair follicles every single day so I mean yeah. I have really curly hair so any curly girls out there, you'll know. We don't wash our hair every day. And so I thought the same thing. I was like, oh, I mean, if I'm only washing my hair every five days, like that's just five washes worth. So maybe this is normal. And then afterwards, I was like, this all makes so much sense. This is not normal. <laughs> yeah, this is definitely not normal. Um, yeah, so that's another one. Okay. And then struggling with weight as well. And so this yeah. is where, like, I always talk lightly because, you know, coming from this food freedom perspective, yeah. you know, Obviously, I'm always going to hold space for my clients that are looking to lose weight in a healthy way, right? But I think that there can be a little bit of shaming in like the food freedom community, anti-diet community for like looking to lose weight. But with PCOS, it can be really easy to gain weight and it can be very difficult to lose weight. And that is kind of for an abundance of reasons, but weight oftentimes is a symptom of PCOS, not a cause. I really want to drive that home because Mm, a lot of times, you know, with conventional care, you'll go to the doctor if you have PCOS and they'll recommend that you go lose weight. Or a really big one is go lose 10% of your body mass. And which is an insane request. Especially because so many of those times they're not even asking what you're eating or if you're exercising. And so many women with PCOS are already under eating and over exercising. And one of the the risks of PCOS is eating disorders for that exact reason. So, yeah. And and that's a huge, like, huge fat, just like bias in the medical industry. It's just like like very, very dangerous because, Mm -hmm. yeah. Just because you're not rail thin doesn't mean that you don't have an eating disorder or if you're just not asking about anything, just telling them to lose weight, there can be major diagnosis like that are dismissed. Completely. 
Yeah. Yes. Scary. So huge problem, like in healthcare in general. Yeah, um, totally. I like to think that it's improving just from what I'm hearing from clients, but it's still definitely a really big issue. Yeah. So, you know, weight gain or inability to lose weight. That's one symptom. Oily skin or acne, oily skin, typically in like the T-zone area, like in between your eyebrows, on your nose, yeah, yeah. there. oily or the acne part, that hormonal acne will be on that like chin strap yes. area. Think of where men have facial hair, right? Mm, that is where- That's um, why. Right, it's like that same kind of like male patterning. Yeah. Um, yeah, so any, I mean, if you're struggling with acne, like on your forehead or like upper cheeks or anything like that, it's it's likely, I mean, your hormones could be driving that fruit, but yeah. like think of like the cystic deep under the skin acne. Like, like you really cannot cool. pop it. It hurts. You can't pop it. Yes. Like sometimes mm. it'll even hurt to like smile if you have one. Yeah. 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 You're I, I know it well. Oh yes. I've been there too. Constipation is a big one. Um, okay. But gut health is a really big component in PCOS that I don't think nearly as many people are yeah. talking about. Like uh, affected by or like a result of? To. Okay. Yes. Contributes to, or you could call it like a driver. Uh -huh. In terms of, you know, what, or let me get through the symptoms and then I'll talk about the cause. Yeah. Sorry. Um, so constipation, gut issues in general, fatigue is a huge one. Like mm -hmm. what I was saying before, sleep 10 hours, still feel like you got hit by a bus. Yeah. Really like there's a difference between just being tired and like physically struggling to open your eyes or keep your eyes open just out of nowhere in the middle of the day. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if that type of tired and then mood changes. So anxiety and depression are also side effects of PCOS, mm. which is just this like spiral, right? Because also birth control can perpetuate those as well. So, oh, you have PCOS, you're already at risk of anxiety and depression because of the lower progesterone. And then, all right, let's put you on the pill, which can cause depression or right. anxiety. Right. So it's just this cycle. <laughs> and then, oh, well, now you're feeling anxious. Let's prescribe another medication for that. Right. Yeah. It's, it's like just, a dark rabbit hole. Yes. Like let's work backwards here and solve these problems at the root. And yeah. then also just in general, more PMS. If you are lucky enough to have a period, if you have PCOS. So those are like the signs and symptoms. And before I go into like the causes part, yeah. Am I getting ahead of myself? Where do you want to go with this conversation? What questions do you have? I know you're, yeah. you're in charge here. No. Um, I mean, all of that is super helpful and eye-opening for myself. Um, but one question before we get into causes, all that kind of is related to that. Um, so hormonal birth control. Obviously, like I hate just like shitting on it, but because it has opened up so many like totally. opportunities for women and it has was such a contributing factor in all of the progress that we've made. That being said, do I think that it should be given out like candy to 14 year olds? No. Like I was on birth control for 15 years, 15, because I had like crazy periods when I was 14, but like it was my first year of periods. Did, was that the solution? I think not, but do, um, I mean, it might be a little bit of both, but does hormonal birth control kind of just like mask the symptoms for so long? And then when you get off of it, you're realizing that you have it, or is it that the birth control kind of messing with your hormones 
causes PCOS or could it be? So it's a little bit of both, Um, a little bit of both. And I will completely agree with you in that I always say I am not anti-birth control by any means. I think it's super important for women to have access to it. I think that it did leaps and bounds for like women's rights and autonomy. Um, That being said, the amount of women that are on it for non-contraceptive reasons. Yeah, and that suffer. Exactly. Yes. It's, it's through the roof. The latest statistic that I saw from like a legitimate peer reviewed source was that over 50% of women on birth control are not using it for actual birth control. They're using it for symptom management. So completely agree with you. Like if anyone out there is like, wait, but I'm on birth control. Like, should I not be you? It's an individual decision. Like my clients are on birth control. Like it's whatever you think is best for you. I just think that there's a big problem with like the lack of informed consent. A thousand even when I was put on birth control, it was not for contraceptive reasons in high school. It was just like, no. oh, you have like a wonky period. Okay, this will fix it, right? Yeah. And I was just like, oh, sick. Okay. Right. That's it. Cool. And then, you know, years later, I start actually learning about it. I was on it for almost a decade, probably. Um, so yeah, with you there. But in terms of, you know, does it cause it? Does it cover it up? It's, it's kind of both. So a lot of women with PCOS won't know that they have it when they're on birth control because hormonal birth control just shuts down your hormones, right? It doesn't really regulate them. It turns them off and it replaces them with synthetic hormones that, okay. you know, on a molecular level are actually very different from the hormones that our body makes. Right. So it can, it can hide it, right? Because so many of those hormones are, are driving it. You can still have other symptoms when you're on the pill, right? Because a, a large miscon, misconception about PCOS is that it's primarily a hormone issue, um, but it's a hormone and metabolic concern, right? So even like when I was on hormonal birth control, I was still losing my hair and I still like was doing my dermaplaning. You know what I yeah. mean? You can still have the symptoms, but a really big giveaway is, oh, wait, where is my freaking period? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So also that being said, when people come off of birth control, you can have this like post pill PCOS, Yeah. which that will essentially happen because, okay, so we're taking this medication that is the birth control, which that's another thing. It's a medication. And I think people forget that because Mm -hmm. it's so common and it's not talked about, but it's a medication that can be taxing on your body or have side effects just yeah. as any other medication can totally. and of course no we're not anti-medication here either right like no. they are totally appropriate when they're needed right but we're just oftentimes we're kind of jumping the gun i mean so, as we do in this country exactly. <laughs> quick yes. fix mm-hmm. yeah so with that right so where were we we're suppressing the hormones yeah so that includes your androgens so when we go off of those, remember elevated androgens is a symptom of PCOS. Yeah. You can have like a surge of androgens. Okay. And so that is this like post pill PCOS that can happen. And that actually can resolve itself. I usually would say like, if you're still struggling with this after two years, after going off birth control, you probably just have regular old PCOS. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's a tricky line there, but yeah. did that answer your question? Totally. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I know that you have like so much content on this, but how would you like, I mean, I know again, it's probably so individualized, but managing your PCOS 
naturally and using, you know, foods and the way that you're exercising and all of that um, to alleviate symptoms. And is there, there's not like curing it, is there? Or is it just learning yeah. to live? <laughs> you cannot cure it. Um, there's some controversial language out there in like the okay. PCOS space. You know, some people will say, oh, heal your PCOS or reverse your PCOS. You cannot cure it. You can heal it in that you can, you know, bring all of your lab values back to normal and feel okay. like feel like you've been healed. Okay. But it is something that you kind of have to continue to address. Yeah. Ongoing. Yeah. Um, but with that, so going back to, I said before, there were like a few drivers. Oh, yeah. So everyone is different, but we will address your drivers. So what those drivers are, you know, kind of like the main big three is chronic inflammation slash gut imbalances, right? Going back to your gut health impacts your hormone health. Um, gut imbalances will also contribute to inflammation, poor metabolic health, which contributes to the weight management struggles with PCOS, and then also stress and adrenal function or dysfunction, I should say. And so adrenals, for those out there who don't know what those are or what that is. So your adrenal glands, they sit on top of your kidneys. And I always say they're like best friends with your thyroid. So mm -hmm. if there's something off with your adrenals, there's going to be something off with your thyroid, which again, contributes to the weight struggles that come with PCOS. Yeah. And also the, the increased cortisol, that component of it, this is something that was a really big issue for me personally. Um, yeah. because again, we're told, okay, go lose weight. And we're, the ladies are out there doing cardio, right? Even, and it's not that cardio is bad. I, I still like spinning is still my favorite form of movement. Yeah. It's not something that I've had to cut out, but it's something that I have. Just you don't do every day. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And I've learned to be strategic about it. So that's something, you know, when clients come to me, they're always like, but are you going to take away my runs? And I'm like, if you love your runs, we can make them work. But if you're just torturing yourself on your runs then yeah, we're throwing yeah. them out the window, you know, yeah, totally. So stress and adrenal dysfunction, that's going to be, you know, managing that stress levels or those stress levels, I should say. And that is going to look like more than just what we think of classically for stress. The amount of women who come to me and we do their labs and they're like, Oh, but I don't feel stressed. And I'm like, girlfriend, your, your body is telling me otherwise, yeah. right? Yeah. So stress can manifest in different ways. Right. So there's the classic stressors, you know, emotional stress, work stress, family mm -hmm. stress, financial stress, but there's also the stress that you're putting on your body, right? So many people come to me and they say, oh, well, I relieve my stress through exercise. I'm like, all right, well, no, you're not. You're not yeah. really relieving your stress. I feel like that's also, I mean, which it totally is a valid thing, but also such a thing of, I don't know, diet culture almost yeah. of like, it's, you know, it's the way to just push all your energy towards and like get it out and all of this, but it's like, it doesn't mean that you should be working out every day. <laughs> I think that exercise can clear your head, yes. right? Like it's that. a good way to disconnect from really? the world, your responsibilities. Mm -hmm. Right. But it's really just going to add more stress to your body. Right. And then sleeping poorly yeah. can be contributing. And then that actually brings us into the insulin resistance component, right? So 
almost all women with PCOS are going to have some degree of insulin resistance. So that is going to be really important for to be focusing on like balancing your blood sugar, making sure that your meals are balanced, making sure that you're eating carbs. Ladies, anyone listening, please eat your freaking carbs. Yeah, this is an instance where we should listen to Oprah. I love bread. Don't do Weight Watchers, but I love bread. (laughs) Totally. And like, it's so, the amount of women who come to me and they're terrified to eat more carbs. And it's, it's something that we work on slowly and kind of reintroducing them, but that will contribute to, or it will alleviate some of the stress, right? If we're feeding our bodies what it needs in a way that is you know, mindful, intentional, maybe more strategic than you're used to, you know, pairing the carbs with the proteins, the fats, the fibers, that type of thing. Yeah. It's like, and this is where going back to what I said before, all of these pillars contribute to each other. So you can't really isolate one thing, but to kind of just zoom out and say, okay, how would I go about managing my PCOS naturally? That would be focusing on your gut health, trying to reduce inflammation. So that could also come from like dietary components, lifestyle components that could be inflammatory alcohol. So they've won um, products that you're using, that type of thing, right? Endocrine disruptors, toxins in your environment that will kind of fuel the fire as well. And then reducing your stress, balancing your meals, getting to bed at a reasonable hour regularly. Like yeah, yeah. a lot of just the, classic healthy behaviors, but just being a little bit more specific about them. Yeah. And then that's like a very general approach, but we, everyone has an individual take on what's going to work best for them because everyone's PCOS is different. Not to drive me crazy about part of how we are trying to address PCOS as a society. Um, because it's not black or white. There's no blanket way to go about it. You know, you are unique and so is your PCOS and let's lean into that because just because something worked for your friend or, you know, your doctor's other patient doesn't mean it's going to work for you or some random person in a PCOS support Facebook group that you're in. Yeah. You're going to have a different experience. Totally. Which is intimidating to think about at first because obviously everyone wants to an easy answer, but I also think it's a really nice, beautiful way to allow yourself or just learn to actually listen and tune into your own body because we are just stripped of that in our culture, right? You know, we're learning how to eat, what to eat, when to eat, what workouts to do all from external outside sources. And we lose this innate ability to say, okay, I actually am feeling really tired today. No, a hard workout is not going to energize me or wake me up. You know, I mean, sometimes of course you can push yourself and this is, that's something that you learn. Like, right. It's so individualized and so intuitive. And I feel like I preach a lot of this stuff a lot. And then it almost, I feel like to some people might come off as like, oh, well, you have no drive or motivation, but it's like, yeah, some days you can tell when you're just like, I'm tired. I don't want to. And the days where you're like, no, actually what would be good for me is like a nice, like easy walk, just get some fresh air and like move a little bit, but not be like killing yourself. 
Totally. And I love that reframe of just movement. Everything is movement. It doesn't yeah. have to be like, I think that so many women, especially think of exercise or a workout and they think of like orange theory or a really hard hit class or, oh, it doesn't count unless it was 60 minutes and I'm drenched in sweat. Yes. And so many that holes doesn't count thing. That's exactly. the key. Yeah. Yes. Just, it all counts. <laughs> it all counts. And I, um, I think that Kara Duvall does a really good job at that. I yeah. saw she was on the show too. Yeah. And it's just, I refer so many of my clients to her, like just get on range, please. Yeah. I actually just joined. It's the best. Yeah. I did one Love this morning. Love it. Was, it. it was so nice. It's so lovely. <laughs> and it's still really freaking hard. Sometimes. Much harder than I was expecting. <laughs> yes. And I love how she has, I mean, not to just like totally talk about Kara, but yeah. you know, like she does a really nice job of this is like medicine for your body. Yes. And this is serving you as opposed to not. I was even having a conversation with a client the other day. She's feeling really guilty about working out less because she was an athlete in college. And mm -hmm. it was just really difficult for her to transition the way that she is exercising and just kind of like healing her own relationship with exercise. Yeah. And, you know, we talked a lot about asking yourself, is this movement serving me? Yeah. And if, it's, if not, what's the point? Is yeah. it just checking off a box in your head or is it actually doing something for you? Yeah. A thousand percent. And I think it's exactly what you said, um, about just throughout our lives. Like we are born with embodiment and as intuitive eaters and with all of that, and we are just taught throughout our lives. Like we are, we learn the disembodiment, we learn all the rules and that the, okay, you don't eat carbs. You like do the hard workout and is those like check boxes. Um, and that's something that I work with like my body image clients on is finding that connection with your body again. So you can listen to it when it tells you things. And it's not just like, oh, my body is being so annoying. I won't cooperate and lose the five pounds. You know, actually listen to what it's telling you. Yes. And that's something that I always say, you know, even if it doesn't seem like it, your body is always on your side. Like your body is trying to protect you. Your body is trying to keep you alive. And sometimes it can do that in a frustrating way. You right. know, like, okay, your body is storing energy and because it thinks that it's going to need it later because you're starving her yeah right? or totally. you know all of these symptoms your body is literally putting up the white flag and just begging you for rest yeah mm -hmm. absolutely so, yeah. um she's on your side or she he. is he or they. whatever they, anything. yeah like you are your one yes not two separate things totally. um Okay, but I would love to talk a little bit more about coming off the pill or getting your hormonal IUD out or whatever it is, um, because I know that I think you like posted something about it. Um, but, you know, and again, selfishly, I'll just bring my own experience into it. I feel like when I was taking my IUD out, I bought all these books that everyone recommended. And I never read them because who has time to just read like three books about your cycle and your fertility and all of the things, mm -hmm. not I. And um, so I feel like I kind of have just been like floating around, just like waiting for my cycle to be normal 
and I haven't really experienced any like major symptoms or anything, but I feel like it's hard to know. Like I was like, oh, well, once my cycle becomes normal again, then I'll like really try to learn how to like cycle sync and like eat to the, you know, whatever point the cycle I'm in and exercise to the point of the cycle that I'm in. But I don't know where I am because it hasn't been normal yet. So I would love to hear your take on that and how you can like use nutrition to support it all also. Totally. Yes. So yeah, I did do like a three part series on like supporting the transition off the pill. Mm-hmm. So if anyone is listening and wants to check those out, they were, they might be from like December. So you do have to scroll a little bit back, but they are there. So kind of the main components is to support your gut, support your liver and support some specific nutrients that birth control can actually deplete. So starting with gut, right? So birth control can have a little bit of fun in your gut and it's not fun for your body, right? So the actual pill is going to do this to a higher degree than like an IUD, the implant, anything like that, but supporting your gut. So that could be, maybe you're adding more fermented foods to your diet, right? You know, whether it's sauerkraut, Uh, one of my favorite brands is Cleveland kraut. They actually make like salad dressing that has fermented veggies in it. I think I've had that one. It's good. Yeah, It's really good. But maybe it's kombucha. I will say, please don't drink a bottle of kombucha a day. It's, (laughs) it doesn't necessarily deserve like the health halo that it has. Um, It can be pretty sugary. It's also like black tea. So if you're drinking it at night, that's caffeine. Let's remember that. Um, But if you wanted to do it like four ounces a day, maybe you put it in a little seltzer water, something like that, that could be nice. Focusing on fibers, obviously, making sure that you're having a daily bowel movement. If you are not going to the bathroom every day, you should be. You got something going on. Mm -hmm. Yes, like if you're having bloating, um, bitter foods are really good for your digestion as well. So that could be, you know, radicchio, arugula, dill. There's so many bitter foods, cacao citrus peels if you're doing like a zest in like a good or smoothie or something like that those are all gonna be good for your gut health and I will say as well you can't always just heal your gut through food sometimes it does take a little bit more than that um but there's a lot of basic things that so many of us are not doing like just chewing chewing your food is a big one that we are always just so go 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 we don't we don't give ourselves the time to do so so chewing, taking some deep breaths before you have a meal, um, your, your gut and your brain are always chit-chatting. It's like they have walkie-talkies. When we were in utero, your gut and your brain came from the same tissue. So they are very, very closely linked. If there's something off with the gut, there's likely going to be something off with your brain and vice versa. So you might notice if you're more stressed, you might have more digestive issues or like nervous poops, right? Um, But the other way around too. So for myself, part of my own gut healing journey, I developed like this crazy anxiety. Like I had never really been an anxious person. And then I started having like, I would feel an anxiety in my chest on like a Saturday morning when I had a relaxing day ahead of me. Yeah. literally what is going on I'm meditating all the time and then I cleaned up my gut like killed a lot of overgrowth and it just went away so it was it's so crazy I know (laughs) the body is amazing so addressing gut health is one addressing liver health is another one right so going back to birth control is a medication so your liver is going to help process 
any medication. So if mm -hmm. you've been taking something for years, we just want to make sure that your liver has that TLC to help process everything out. Yeah. So that's going to look like reducing your alcohol consumption. I always mm -hmm. say, if you're going off of birth control, if you can stop drinking for like two weeks before, two weeks after, that will be a nice little break for your liver. So she can yeah. be busy. I mean, I wouldn't even call it a break, but alcohol is always going to be the first thing that your liver processes out before anything else. So just totally. taking that distraction away, it can really focus on doing what it needs. Bitter yeah. foods as well. So with the digestion, that's going to help too. Yep. Trying, I mean, some people will do like castor oil at night. I don't know if you've heard of that, like castor oil. I pump. have, yeah. You put them on your side. That can be really restorative for your liver too. And then repleting nutrients. So the pill does deplete some nutrients in the body. So for the most part, I mean, just like eating a well-balanced diet yeah. is you're probably going to be set, but selenium is a big one. Um, I always recommend one to two Brazil nuts a day. Okay. You them, That's easy. Great. <laughs> it's it's yeah. so easy. So easy. I get them at Trader Joe's. They're pretty big. Um, yeah. Sometimes I'll put them in a smoothie or just eat them. I like to think of it as a supplement rather than a snack because they're right. not particularly tasty. Yeah. I don't um, love them. Don't, don't love them. them. No, but that's but in okay. a smoothie. We can do that. Yes. And a smoothie just blends right in, but mm -hmm. Selenium is really important for thyroid health as well. So if you, like a lot of people will, some people will lose weight when they come off the pill. Some people will gain weight when they come off the pill. You know, kind of anything could happen. It's a little bit right. of a mystery until you're doing it. Um, but Brazil nuts will get you that selenium. Um, some B vitamins are going to be depleted, making sure that you have magnesium and that can come from like avocados, cacao, magnesium supplement, just like lots of healthy foods and yeah. really just like, leaning into rest. I would say, you know, in those first two weeks off of birth control, go easy on your body in terms of exercise. I yeah. wouldn't, I wouldn't go hard with the hits or anything like that. Like leaning into yes. walking slower types of movement, that type of thing, because some people transition off of birth control with ease and others like shit hits the fan. Yeah, totally. So and I feel like it's one of those things where, and I get it because I have been there in life of thinking that two weeks of exercise without exercise or without the formal, very, very sweaty, tough exercise that, you know, people are like told that's the only way to do it. Um, can feel like, oh my God, that is detrimental. That is life-changing. I am going to gain 50 pounds. Like I remember if I skipped three days, I would like go into like panic mode, mm -hmm. but two weeks, it will not, it will be fine. <laughs> like it will be okay. <laughs> Again, going back to, is this movement serving me? Yeah. Because that's where all movement should come from. Yeah. And, and you know, honestly, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say checking off a mental box in your head. Oh, I worked out today. That's not really serving you. No, absolutely. And I feel like, and one of my, actually another functional um, dietitian um, on the podcast, like early, early on said this, that like taking a break from exercise for her, cause she kind of had that same background um, when she was in grad school and doing her internships and everything and, you know, commuting, 
She's like, I physically did not have time to exercise like in a formal way. And I just didn't for like a full year almost. And I almost sort of felt the same with like the pandemic and stuff of like having that break and separation actually gave me so much more trust in my body of like, oh, it didn't break down. Actually, now it feels healthier. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it can Completely. be a good thing. Yes. Um, okay, we're running out of time. So I just want to ask you about this because I feel like it is such a hot topic and I'm so intrigued to hear your thoughts. Can't wait for this. What's it going to be? So obviously in wellness culture, we hear all of the juice cleanses, all of that. For some reason, it just won't freaking go away. Um, and then in anti-diet culture, we hear the your body detoxes itself. You don't need to do a detox. And it's like, well, yes, of course, we don't need to do a goop style. You're only eating soup detox or a you're only drinking juice or you're going to fast for three days and like all of those. So I would love to hear your take because I know that you have one on what does detoxing mean? When could we be doing something like this to our benefit and like how that would look. I love this question. And it is well-timed. I just, for anyone listening, I just did a series on this. If you want more, it's pretty recent. Um, so yes, you said it, said it well, there is a, it's a polarizing topic, right? So the diet industry has the juice cleanses, the fasts and the anti-diet culture world, which I do am a part of, yeah. We'll say, oh, you know, your body detoxes for you. Don't even worry about it. Oh, that's what your liver and your kidneys are for. Don't even worry about it. And there is a middle ground there. Yeah, so totally. yes, your liver and your kidneys are detox organs, but so is your skin. And we detox through so many other ways as well. So it's not just those two, but also mm-hmm. sometimes your detox organs need a little bit of help right? Especially if you are going through a healing journey of any kind, whether that's transitioning off of birth control or, you know, doing a little bit more hormone balancing healing, maybe it's a gut health journey, any, any, anything in that realm and beyond. Yeah. Sometimes we do need to just support those detox organs a little bit more. So what, what detoxing well looks like, right? So that's going to be going to the bathroom every day. If you, if your skin is pretty clear that that's a good sign of detox, you want your urine to be like a pale yellow. Mm-hmm. You don't want your pee to be clear. If it's clear, that means that you are way overhydrated or you're not hydrated at all. And the water is just going straight through you and your body's not absorbing it. Interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. So like that pale yellow is what we want to look for. Um, good signs of detox is like good food tolerances. So not bloating all the time. Um, and that's something that I struggle with too. I would be literally look like I was with child when I had like a regular meal. So been there, but that shows that you are not detoxing very well. So good digestive quality. We detox through our sweat, through urine, through going to the bathroom. Um, but we can really support that detox through, you know, a healthy diet, any of those liver things that I mentioned. And again, sometimes there is more specific support needed. Like if we're doing testing or anything like that and something pops up, 
Um, dry brushing is a good way. So I actually had a couple questions about this when I posted about it. So if you don't know what dry brushing is, it's just, it kind of looks like a hairbrush. I have a circle one yeah. and it's good for like moving your lymph around. So if you've heard of your lymphatic system or like swollen lymph nodes, you might yeah. have heard about if you were like sick or anything like that, but moving that lymph and making sure that you have good drainage, that's going to be part of, um, detoxing as well. So with the dry brush, you, I mean, I like to do it a couple times a week. It's also exfoliating, which is yeah. nice, but you just like brush up your body. So you want to do it in the direction of your heart. So if you're doing like your legs, you'll start down and move up on your arm, start closer to your wrist or your elbow and move up towards your shoulder. But that's a nice way just to support lymphatic drainage. And then like, just don't go out and buy like charcoal pills for no reason. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, I will say like, there are cases when I do use charcoal with clients, but it's very specific. And for a reason, yeah. you don't want to just be going out and buying random detox supplements. Yeah, definitely. And I feel like that is such a uh, diet culture trap. Like I remember in college in like 2014, like before spring break when the, um, you know, it was the age of, oh my God, Dr. Oz. And uh, like, yeah, literally. Ugh. And the green tea, like supplement things, you know, you remember that? Yes. I can't remember what it was called, but I remember buying those being like, I'm going to be so skinny for spring break. And guess what? They didn't do anything. <laughs> Either they didn't do anything or they made you go to the bathroom for days straight. Right, right. Like just, so many of these detox teas are just like overpriced laxatives. Yes, a thousand percent. All of, like mm -hmm. the MLM cleanses. No, if you want to do like a detox or a cleanse, maybe go talk to a nutritionist and a dietitian. <laughs> like, I think it's what is it, ninety four five, like Jammin, whatever yes. they talk about. Constant. They talk about it all the time. And I'm like, one, I guarantee that none of you guys have even done these. Two, shut up. <laughs> I, every time I turn on that channel, they're talking about, oh, get ready for your summer body. I'm like, are we still doing this? And that's what reminds me that, okay, maybe we haven't made as much progress as I thought. Yeah. To the point okay. where I'm like, look, I know this is a paid ad, but like, you don't have to take every paid ad. Yes. Or why do you need to be promoting the cleanses? Like, I'm sure that that juice company, like you could just go in and buy a juice and that's not bad for you. It's not the end all be all of your nutrition, but you could just be advertising that. Totally. And even that reminds me, if I say anything about detoxes, it should be this. With juice cleanses, your liver has a few different phases to function. Phase two liver detox, you need protein. All right. Mm. So if you are out here doing like a couple of days of just juices, you're not actually detoxing at all. You're just clogging up your liver. Yeah. And totally. taxing it more. Right. And I can't I mean I've never done one because I would not survive. <laughs> yeah, I like to eat too much. Yeah. But like <laughs> I remember when I worked in corporate America, my boss did like a five day juice cleanse with her husband. And I feel like I remember by the end of day five, like she just was so tired. She felt so weak because like you're not giving your body what it needs at all. And you're expecting mm -hmm. it to just function. Like, okay, one thing, if you're only drinking juice for five days, but you're like straight up resting for five days, 
But that's not what you're doing. You're still going to work and running around and maybe mm-hmm. exercising. Like you're putting your body under more stress. Right. And you know where your body's going to take its energy from when that happens? Your muscles. Yeah, totally. I know. So. It's super counterintuitive. And I feel like in saying all this stuff, like there's also, like you said, so much shame that can come with if you do want to lose weight. Like losing weight is not a bad thing in and of itself. It's all about the why and the how. And, you know, if you've done a juice cleanse or you still feel tempted to do all these things, like there's no shame in that. It is the culture that we live in. Like it's not your fault. I always say that, like, it's not your fault. I, in talking about this, I'm never looking to shame anyone. No, no. It's just this world that we live in. You have to really know what you're talking about to be in order to be like, oh no, that's actually not true. And I'm not going to go there. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like it's just important to say and important to like note that like hoping through all of these conversations and all this work that, you know, you reach some women that might be able to like find a new way and feel that freedom and finally be a little bit more at peace. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just one, just one is success for me. Yes, absolutely same. Mm -hmm. Um, All right, let's do a quick little rapid fire to round it out. Cool, I'm ready. All right. Um, One thing that always makes you feel more confident. Ooh. Like maybe you're having a bad body image day or you have like a big meeting or something like that. Honestly, like mascara maybe? Yeah. Honestly, yeah, that is so real, especially like, again, after the pandemic, like I never wear makeup anymore. But when I do, I'm like, wow, look at her go. Yes. Or if it's like before a big meeting or something like that, I'm a big fan of like one song solo dance parties as yes. well. <laughs> yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. Um, okay. And then something that always improves your mood. Maybe again, another one song dance party. <laughs> I would say probably the one song dance party also food. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, well, speaking of which a food that you could eat every single day. Oh gosh. Probably like walk. Yeah. Same. Yeah. Yep. I have with chips, but yep. you know, I had some, uh, I didn't have an avocado. So I used one of the little individual guac packets from Trader Joe's and put it on bread this morning. <laughs> I was like, go. it's the same. It counts. It's so, I do that every single day in college for like three years. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, actually speaking of which your go-to Trader Joe's find, because I know that you're a Trader Joe's fan. Ooh. Or maybe a recent one that you have been I mean, liking. I know that Trader Joe's like coined the everything seasoning. You can get it elsewhere, you but can, yeah. they were like the OGs. Um, so maybe that one, but in terms of like a rec for, for others. Oh, this is so hard because there are so There's many. There's so many. Honestly, their guac, the one in the orange and green that yeah. has the peel back one, that's really good. I also love their pasture-raised eggs because it's like the best price I've ever found for them. Yeah, seriously. Um, Had one of those this morning too. (laughs) Yes, they're so good. Unpopular opinion because I feel like people don't like this as much. Um, But they're, again, everything seasoning. Almonds and cashews, those are good. Yeah, those Mm -hmm. are so good with the everything but the bagel seasoning. Yes. Such a good snack. Mm -hmm. Love. Also... On the 
less healthy, but good for the soul. Um, they're dark chocolate coconut almonds. So good. And the dark chocolate turbinado, like sugar or salt almonds. If you haven't, I'm very sorry for telling you about them because your life will never be the same. I've never had them. Yeah. I mean, going on the, the less healthy, they're blue corn chips. Mm. I think they're my favorite tortilla chips I've ever had. Yeah. They're just like perfectly crispy. Actually, and yeah, I feel like we do have some of those right now. Specifically the blue ones. They were just out for like a month and I was really sad, but they're yeah. back. Yeah. Good thing. Good thing. Mm -hmm. um, current favorite form of movement. Oh, that's really hard. Realistically, can I say three? <laughs> three. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Love Range by Kara. Oh, um, yes. Walking and maybe four. Lifting weights and also spinning. But spinning, I only do every once in a while when I have like prepared my body to be able to handle it. It's probably my favorite movement. Like it brings me so much joy. Like, yeah, we all love like a cathartic spin class cry. You know? Yes. And the energy in the room is just yeah. so different like, than a home workout. Like it's yeah. good for the soul. Like it lights my soul up yeah. um, physically. I know that my body can't do it all the time, but yeah. so that's when I do the others. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And I feel like that is the perfect, it's just like with eating a nice balance of it all yes exactly. yes um okay just answer this and then we'll be done um Whoa. i'm almost always blank oh this is a fun one i've never been asked this before yeah i am almost always drinking something yeah Literally. I feel like I always have a beverage <laughs> or three around me. Like, Same. Usually some type of tea. Yeah. With electrolytes in it. Because remember, we're not overhydrating. But um, mm. yeah, that's probably it. Love that. I think that's a super lame answer, but that's what no, I No, it's not. It's so real. Um, okay. And then either a book, podcast, any type of resource that either like – you just read or consumed and loved, something you always go back to, something you'd recommend? One of my favorite podcasts is Healthier Together. The host okay. is Lily Moody. And she just does a really nice job of balancing wellness with like fun lifestyle stuff. She used to be like an editor in the magazine world. So she's really good at like making sure her sources are legit. That type yeah. of thing. Um, but yeah. Okay. Love that. <laughs> I'm definitely going to check that out. I'm always looking for more podcasts to use when I'm walking this big chunk man around. For the people mm -hmm. that can't see, I'm talking about my dog. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that does it. I mean, hype yourself up. Where can everyone find you? What is coming up in your world? Anything that you want to promote? Totally. So the best place to find me is probably Instagram. So I'm just at Shayla Rose Nutrition. Yeah. All of my platforms are Shayla Rose Nutrition. So my website is ShaylaRoseNutrition.com. Um, okay. I am on TikTok. Not really, but it's at Shayla Rose Nutrition. I don't really know what I'm doing Same. on there. Same. It's like I'm on TikTok, but also like maybe don't find me there. Yes. <laughs> I'm not sure if it's really worth your time. <laughs> exactly. Totally. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, Instagram DMing is probably like the most direct way to find me. Um, right now, I work with clients in primarily a one-to-one -one capacity. So if you have any questions about that, feel free to reach out. But at the same time, even if you're not looking to be a client, like 
I'm always here to chat because just because the PCOS space is can be really isolating and confusing yeah. and there's so much mixed information out there. So if you're just looking for like some support or someone to talk to, my DMs are always open. I love that. All right. Well, get ready. I'm about to flood them with my own questions. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Awesome. Well, thank you so, so much. Thank you for listening to the Build with Brayback podcast. Stay connected on Instagram at Build with Brayback and our website, www.buildwithbrayback.com. Show a little love by rating and reviewing, sharing with your friends, and of course, subscribing so you don't ever miss an episode. Until next week, keep on building.